morning, Turks and Caicos. Welcome to first edition. We're starting late because of you know who. I'm Cheryl Ann Foreman. Our guests were here. Let me let you know that. They were on time. They were waiting on us. But um, we were also waiting on... What's your name again? <laughs> <laughs> I feel attacked. Good morning, Turks and Caicos. This is the very, very late Chicago job. <laughs> Go ahead, continue. So in studio with us, we've got some very special guests. We've got um, our very own Justice Carlos Simons, and Justice Simons is the strategic lead of the Informal Settlements Unit of the Turks and Caicos Islands. Um, good morning, Justice Simons. Thank you so much for taking time out to join us here on First Edition. Good morning, Mrs. Foreman. It's my pleasure. Good. And we have Mr. Leonardo Glasgow. Mm -hmm. um, he is from the planning department. Mr. Glasgow, thank you too for joining us. Thank you for having us. Good. So let's get right into it. There's been a lot of talk about the informal settlements unit. So, um, uh, Justice Simons, can you tell us, can you provide an overview of the key responsibilities and the objectives of the informal settlements unit? Why do we have it? Well, we have the informal settlements unit um, because we have informal settlements. Um, informal settlements are unplanned construction. Um, they um, result in um, the uh, um, occupation of lands that do not belong to the persons living in the informal settlements. They have no planning permission. Um, the lands affected are both um, private lands and crown lands. Um, the portions uh, of the lands that are devoted to the housing units that are constructed are too small to be registered, usually, and so these um, persons um, will never own the property on which they live. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, it's impossible for them to get uh, uh, a bank loan, a mortgage, for example. Um, the delivery of services, um, very difficult. Um, the um, the uh, number of people living in the areas, the density, mm -hmm. way, way above uh, what the planning laws permit. Um, and the government, I, I think the government, uh, successive governments have... Um, over the years recognized the problem. Um, recently, however, funds have been allocated uh, to stem the growth, um, roll back what we have, um, and uh, bring some order to the chaos that prevails. Um, so the Informal Settlements Unit um, was conceived uh, in an attempt to manage and um, contain the proliferation of 
um, informal settlements with a view to us having a population living in sustainable and safe communities as opposed to um, some of the areas now that uh, um, have been taken over, if you like, by informal settlements. Is it fair to say that we have informal settlements um, throughout the Turks and Caicos, on every island, per se? Um, Providencialis and Grand Turk, definitely. Um, there are about 45 between Providencialis and Grand Turk, and uh, we number them by the, you know, the, the areas that they, that they occupy. In Providencialis, they're mostly in the three traditional settlements, areas of Blue Hills, areas of Five Keys, areas of the Bight. Mm -hmm. And in Grand Turk, um, again, we know the, the areas uh, from growing up there. Um, and more recently, there's been Sheraton Hill mm -hmm. uh, added uh, to the list, and as I understand it, expanding rapidly. Mm -hmm. um, so, um, 35 approximately in Providencialis, nine in Grand Turk, mm -hmm. um, possibly one or two in North Caicos. Mm -hmm. um, islands which seem to be unaffected, uh, uh, the Middle Caicos, South, and Sol Key. So, I mean, we're, the term informal settlement may be new, but we're not, I mean, we're not new to the entire concept. I think before, many of us would refer to an informal settlement as someone squatting, mm -hmm. I think would be the term. So, how did we, like, what is the differentiation? Because back in the day, I think squatting was was you'd find it more even in the local community done by locals mm -hmm. more likely on crown land and i think you justice samus will better be able to speak to this there were laws in place that would like squatters rights that would eventually make it possible for the person that squatted on a piece of crown land to own it i think we've gone far away from that now where we see um informal settlements being more associated with um, illegal migrants, which further lends to your point that there's no possibility of ever being able to own the land, get a mortgage, get access to utilities like water and electricity, so which would further mean persons would be stealing electricity, stealing water, then the density, we talk about planning goal as far as to come up with a plan to say how many bedrooms per acre, and then you find an elite formal settlement that doesn't adhere to that. So how do we differentiate or does the law differentiate in any way if it's a Turks and Caicos Island citizen constructing an informal settlement versus an illegal migrant constructing an informal settlement? No, there's no, there's no distinction. Okay. Um, whether it's a Turks and Caicos Islands citizen mm -hmm. or uh, an illegal migrant, mm -hmm. a breach of the law is a breach of the law. Mm -hmm. And to, to construct a shelter, whatever you call it, mm -hmm. um, without planning permission is a breach of the law. Mm 
um, Mr. Glasgow will tell you that planning permission is required before you even begin to clear mm -hmm. uh, the land. Um, the difference might arise in this way. In the case of a Turks and Caicos Islander who has settled himself or herself in an informal um, uh, settlement community, it might be possible, particularly with the recently launched government housing policy and development. Uh, the housing department is intended to construct a number of uh, low-cost housing units per year mm -hmm. over the next 20 years. Mm -hmm. And Turks and Caicos Islanders, or persons with status in the islands, uh, will have the opportunity to apply to the housing um, to the uh, Department of Housing uh, as it develops um, its programs mm -hmm. uh, for low-cost housing. Mm -hmm. And that will relieve, uh, that will bring relief to families. Mm -hmm. It will also relieve the pressure on within the informal settlements mm -hmm. themselves. Persons who have no status in the TCI, um, the immigration laws um, are there to be applied and they will come to the attention of immigration authorities uh, and, and dealt with in that way. So, but to answer your question, no. no the breach of the law is a breach of the law, whether it's committed by a TC Islander or someone from Mars. <laughs> Get it, Chicago. <laughs> I was going to be able to go there. <laughs> so um, let me ask you, gentlemen, uh, how does the informal settlements unit engage with the residents of these informal settlements, like to gather input or feedback? Is there any form of engagement? Uh, yes. Um, we put out, well, first of all, we have a website, mm -hmm. um, and we would encourage people to visit uh, www.isutci.com there, There's uh, a lot of information uh, on the website about the ISU and its procedures and its approaches and, and so forth. Mm -hmm. So, it, you know, most people have smartphones. Mm -hmm. um, you can, you know, it click of two or three buttons, get to the ISU website and get the information you need. Also on that website, um, um, uh, phone numbers and contacts that persons can use if they have questions that they feel are not adequately addressed on the website. So please do that. Um, I, w I would urge your listeners uh, to do that. The website is um, in 
uh, is it already in three languages? The, the okay. English and Spanish at the moment? The, yes, okay. it's intended to be um, uh, user-friendly mm. to English speakers, Spanish speakers, and Creole speakers, mm. and, and Filipino speakers, mm. okay? So if it's not there as yet, um, it will be, it will be coming. It's, this is still a work in progress. Mm -hmm. um, then um, there's also a Facebook page, mm -hmm. ISUTCI, and an Instagram page, ISUTCI. Um, and uh, so there, there is that um, outreach. Mm -hmm. um, in addition, we um, engage regularly with the press, as we are doing now, um, in the expectation um, that people will be uh, informed mm -hmm. of the existence um, and the objective of the ISU. Mm. Well, since we're on the topic of information and awareness, um, how can concerned citizens or organizations get involved in supporting the efforts of the ISU? Is there any avenue for that? Snitch it. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, Shabaka said snitching. I, <laughs> Listen, I'm the biggest snitch I, in this I, room. I, I love Thursday. No, I, do, I, I, I don't like the word snitching. <laughs> Justice, I love the word. It is <laughs> apropos. It, it arose uh, in a completely different context. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so I, I wouldn't um, take up... Um, Mr. Jolly on that. <laughs> <laughs> no, but um, the, I think the public will, in due course, um, come to um, be able to identify uh, and trust the leaders of the ISU. Um, and uh, the, the persons in we are not fully staffed as yet, and we have uh, taken office space in the Laporte Plaza, just at the Blue Hills Roundabout, um, on the second floor. So, it, offices um, clearly marked with all of the um, logos and so forth. Um, so, people will, um, over the coming months, um, be visiting the office, uh, speaking with the staff, uh, including myself, um, and um, informing themselves also uh, um, from the website. In addition, there, there is a function or, on the website for um, persons to communicate with the unit and the leaders of the unit anonymously mm -hmm. um, and we think that that is uh, uh, a great way for um, uh, a person to bring to the attention of the unit something that is happening that he or she is concerned about but 
the you know don't necessarily wish to uh, um, expose himself or herself to uh, you know. There's your avenue, Shivago. Oh, I have no problem attaching my name. I'm going to provide information. <laughs> <laughs> Quite proud of it. So, gentlemen, let's talk about enforcement. Um, you're both no stranger in your respective careers in your legal field and you with the planning department as well. Um, so I'm curious about the different scenarios, and I'd love to have both your opinions on it. Um, what can a person expect in terms of if they have an encounter within an informal settlement, for example, in the lower income area where it's clear in a person's opinion that this is an informal settlement, uh, there's no PR number displayed, it's all people are only working at night, and there's, I've, you know, you can, by all the clear signs, you can tell that this is an informal settlement. If it's reported, what can we expect to take place? But also on the other end, let's say, for example, in a affluent neighborhood um, where, uh, in low density, someone's erecting a guest house in their backyard. It's already a very nice home, but they're erecting a guest house. You don't see a PR number. It looks kind of suspicious. You've never seen planning there. What can we expect to be the outcome enforcement-wise from both these scenarios? Well, let me ask Mr. Um, Glasgow. Glasgow to okay. address that from a planning uh, aspect. Okay. Yes, thank you for that question. In terms of enforcement, we have to do our due process, mm -hmm. first of all. So identification of the problem is the first instance that we more than welcome everyone to come in and make this known to us. Mm -hmm. We then have to do our background research to find out, identify the strategic allocated block and parcel number. That mm -hmm. is one of our biggest issues because someone will come and say, I've noticed something behind Tom Brown's yard. <laughs> I'm not sure who's Tom Brown. <laughs> However, we can then probably pick up a street name or a road name, an identifying marker. Then we can identify that specific block and parcel. Then it is the onus is upon us now to find out the legal proprietor of that parcel. Mm -hmm. Once we've done that, we can look to contact that person. In the instance where that person isn't readily available, then we can then probably look at serving someone who is actually occupying or constructing or carrying out works on the property as of live action happening. So mm -hmm. development, a lot of people don't know, is, is like you said, not only just building a home. So mm -hmm. development, according to the physical planning ordinance, is a material change below on or even above ground mm -hmm. so all of that constitutes development so like you say a guest house maybe even a garage a mm -hmm. pergola something in your yard all of that is considered as development so it does need development permission mm -hmm. in terms of enforcement our physical planning ordinance has about nine different clauses that pro that is considered prohibited development mm -hmm. and of those includes erecting a building, erecting a sign, advertisement on the side of the road, all these different things we have. So if you're in contravention of any of these legal terms that we have listed in our ordinance, mm -hmm. we can then have our enforcement officers to come out to the parcel mm -hmm. and issue a, a notice. 
So we're not going to, in terms of enforcement, just say, okay, we're going to demolish. That's the word that everyone likes to use that's out in the, the public realm. Mm. But we're not looking at demolishing anything. Our first step would be to issue that person a notice to say, okay, we're not to know if you're aware, but you are in contravention of the physical planning ordinance, which states that you're not allowed to do X, Y, Z. And then we can also issue that person with a fixed penalty fine. So that fixed penalty fine can be issued upon interacting with that person, and it requires them to pay that penalty within a listed amount of time. And if you fail to do so, then we can get the law further involved in prosecution of not paying that penalty fine. Mm. Now, in terms of a structure, some people may say, okay, I've erected an an illegal structure and you give me a ticket, I'm good. No, that's not the case at all. Even paying the fine doesn't absolve you of carrying out any further steps that the department may issue to you. Mm -hmm. So after the fixed penalty fine that we issued to you, we can then serve you with an enforcement notice. Mm -hmm. Now, the enforcement notice is another legal tool which the planning department has that can stipulate that an individual must carry out a number of things as determined by the director, the physical planning board, and with consent from the minister. So that may involve sometimes the removal of a structure. It may in term revegetation. Because a lot I know there's a environmental aspect of land now where we see a lot of land being completely cleared, mm-hmm. which is not in our ordinance at the moment. So mm-hmm. we can issue an enforcement notice for a person to revegetate mm-hmm. cleared land unnecessarily. So there are, there are a number of tools that we have available to us in terms of enforcement. And like Justice said, it happens differently between private land and crown land. Mm-hmm. So in the term, that was what I was speaking of was solely on private land. Mm-hmm. If it's on crown land, however, we can then use the tools that are implemented throughout the crown land ordinance, which will allow us to go throughout the same or similar enforcement process, but using that ordinance to back us in terms of the contravention of the law. Justice, um, listening to Mr. Glasgow and and, and Shiraga's question about how do we go about um, rectifying or or making sure that people are not building um, illegally, we often hear on the streets, um, every time we've seen a sort of demolition project, we we hear this this cry of human rights. How does that um, associate with the informal settlements unit? Well, that's a good question. in the informal settlements unit and the um, uh, jargon lexicon that we're developing, we we don't refer to reclamation of land as demolition. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's a very harsh mm-hmm. term, um, and uh, it is not what we how we wish to be perceived. Mm -hmm. It's not what we do. Um, To to get back to your question, um, we we are 
very mindful of the human rights of the persons who um, might be affected mm -hmm. by the activities um, of the um, informal settlements unit. We have not, we have not um, encountered situations as yet mm -hmm. where lands on which people are in actual occupation, um, except probably one or two that I'm aware, in actual occupation, are uh, reclaimed and uh, um, persons are left homeless. I think that is where issues of human rights might arise. Mm -hmm. We have a um, um, constitutional agency called the Human Rights Commission, whose responsibility it is to ensure that the human rights of every sector segment of the population, uh, that those human rights are, are um, observed um, and uh, respected. There would be a problem, uh, and the government fully recognizes that there would be a problem um, if and when the day comes, when homes, when I say homes, I mean there may be homes that were constructed without, outside of the law, mm -hmm. but their homes were people, families, children, elderly, live. Um, and uh, the government will be extremely careful how that situation is approached. One of the ways uh, in which the government is hopeful um, that those kinds of situations might be alleviated is by the, I mentioned earlier, housing department. Moving those people into planned communities and reclaiming the land on which they had constructed informal, unplanned structures. Reclaiming that land with a view to redeveloping it into safe, sustainable communities. Mm -hmm. That is what the unit is about. Okay. Um, and uh, I think um, people who are concerned about human rights ought to know that um, uh, the government is also uh, very mindful to ensure that uh, the human rights are uh, respected and upheld. Um, one of the agencies that um, have accompanied um, staff of the unit on uh, previous clearance projects is the human rights people from the Human Rights Commission. So we ensure that they know what is happening, when it is happening, um, and they can monitor. Mm. Okay.
This is First Edition. If you're just joining us, we're talking to Justice Carla Simons, the strategic lead of the ISU, and Mr. Leonardo Glasgow, a planner with the planning department. So I saw in the newspaper, I think you guys had a benchmark case that was, I think, front page where you were able to follow the complete process of the ISU and actually issue a, I guess, reclamation it's the proper word we don't want to use the word demolish, mm -hmm. where someone actually were it was enforced that they had to remove the illegally built structure. Um, can we expect to see more cases like this in the near future, where persons the legal process is followed to completion and persons will be either regularizing or removing illegal structures in in various communities? Um, I, I I will let Mr. <laughs> I, I, no, I will, <laughs> I, I will let Mr. Glasgow answer from a planning point of view. But from the ISU point of view, the answer to your question is yes. Mm -hmm. um, I, like, I like what Mr. Sorry, Ms., yeah. what Mr. Jolly said that the the opportunity exists that if for some reason some structure is constructed on a property that doesn't have development permission. Prior to that issuance of that enforcement notice, there is stipulation in the ordinance for that individual or individuals to come into the planning department and submit a legal application, and then that can be tabled to the physical planning board. If it is approved, then we will retrospectively grant them the permission for the structure, granted it follows all the legal regulations of the department. However, if it is not and it is refused, then we would go ahead with the enforcement notice. But cases in like that will definitely be happening in the future. Mr. Let me just, oh, oh, if, if I can just add this, because I'm glad he, um, Mr. Glasgow, um, made that point. Um, and I would just uh, add this, that um, the no one, um, wants to see uh, people suffer um, because of a, a situation really over which they have and had no control. And so, like Mr. Glasgow says, the first impulse, the first instinct is going to be regularization if that can be accomplished. Mm -hmm. um, now, um, this situation is different between Crown land and private land. Okay, There is no such thing as squatters' rights in relation to Crown land. The law prohibits it. Mm -hmm. um, you, you cannot acquire title to Crown land by unlawful occupation. Never. So, you know, I think it, it, the sooner people are disabused of this notion, mm. the better. So far as private land is concerned, um, if the private land owner wishes to, to have possession of, of his land, then the trespasser, because that's what person is in, on, will have to move mm. and the courts will ensure that 
that happens. The only way uh, the mission of the ISU is going to be accomplished is by this process of moving people out of unlawful occupation of land and into what we're trying to achieve, settled um, uh, um, um, communities, mm -hmm. safe, mm -hmm. sustainable communities, where people are able to um, have an ambulance mm -hmm. at the door if there's an emergency, That's a very good point. you know, or to have um, law enforcement mm -hmm. visit um, the neighborhood mm -hmm. if there is a disturbance. Yeah. Or even simple things just as like sanitation mm. and the environmental issues. Absolutely. Running water, proper yes. electrical yep. connection, sewage. Yep. Yep. Absolutely. I think able to be counted when there's a census. The census, yes. absolutely. Yeah. I think um, the regularization being the primary goal is mm -hmm. definitely the best step for the ISU. But, I mean, we can't ignore the the areas where regularization is just impossible. And, you know, there's the, we talked about the three settlements in Provo where you have the, I think you said 35 cases of informal settlements. And we know, especially in the Cuton area, being Dockyard, as a planner, you know how important it is to plan a community, right? The infrastructure goes into place. Back in the day, everything used to be built around the church, and then after the church, you have commerce and then the houses around. So you have the church and then you have businesses and then the houses around. That's how you plan a community, all the things we talked about. When you have these kind of informal settlements running wild in these kind of areas, as a planner, you have no control over what's going on. And regularization is completely out of the window. So how does the ISU feel about settlements like Dark Yard where you, you really, it's impossible to go in there with the idea that we're going to regularize any of this? Um, I would say... <laughs> <laughs> it's a tough one, sorry. <laughs> Very tough, tough question. Um, but I wouldn't say anything is impossible. Let us not, let's not say that because okay. then it'll give us a false sense of hope <laughs> that we are lost and mm -hmm. we are far from lost. Mm -hmm. We have... Thanks to the ISU, we have a plan that we're charting forward mm -hmm. in order to deal with these. Um, so one of the things that we must look at when we're dealing with settlements of that size and nature is mm -hmm. the, the history and the background of how this all started. Mm -hmm. So um, it is unfair for us to say we want to go in there and do anything without first establishing what that history is because you may very well have individuals that are in these areas that have let's say for instance if you were to buy a car mm -hmm. from me mm -hmm. I sold you a car mm -hmm. but you don't know that I stole that car mm -hmm. so I sold you the car mm -hmm. I wrote a receipt to you that mm -hmm. said that you are now in possession of this car mm -hmm. but then Justice Simons comes along and says, as the manufacturer of this car, mm. this car was legally entitled to someone else, Mrs. Foreman. Mm -hmm. So now 
it is legally wrong for you to say that you own the car. However, mm. you do have documentation stating that you have purchased the car. Mm -hmm. These sort of instances do occur with the land. So it's very, it's very, it must be dealt with in a very diplomatic and humanitarian way mm -hmm. in terms of tackling large settlements of that size. And I believe that is one of the goals of the ISU in order for us to help build these safe and more sustainable communities. So regularization, like you say, it may not be possible in, in most cases, but it's not impossible. So what does the let ISU me, do in a situation like let that? Me, let me, um, uh, maybe uh, if, I, if, if, if I get the drift of okay. your supplementary, mm. I, I will answer the principal <laughs> Thank question. Thank you. So, <laughs> but you mentioned Dockyard. Mm. Um, uh, let me... Uh, say a couple of things about Dockyard. Um, first of all, uh, there was an in-depth report done on Dockyard. It's available on the ISU website. Mm -hmm. And I would urge um, persons uh, to to read it, mm -hmm. at least to review it, mm -hmm. right? Um, it is an area that as, is as uh, big as... Um, uh, Waterloo in Grand Turk, mm -hmm. the government house mm -hmm. compound, mm -hmm. Waterloo. Mm -hmm. It houses as many people as there are in Grand Turk. Wow. <laughs> that is dead. That is the density. Yes. Um, the um, One of the issues that's going to have to be confronted when we, you know, come to address the dockyard situation is that the land is private land. Mm. But private land is also subject to the law, the planning laws. Yes, it is. Um, and so we will have to see how that um, situation is, is to be resolved. Um, one of the things about the dockyard situation is that um, um, it, it is um, a live, heart-beating community, mm -hmm. you know, schools, churches, mm -hmm. stores, mm -hmm. um, you know. Yeah. Um, how... It, it's the government will have to consider how uh, to um, go about applying planning laws um, in that situation, and and um, given that it's um, twenty-five to thirty years in the making, um, the. Um, uh, dislodging, um, it, leaving people homeless will not be the answer. Mm -hmm. But I say this to those people uh, who take false hope that the expansion of informal settlements must cease. Mm -hmm. It must stop. Um, Unfinished structures 
on lands that do not belong to the people who engage in this construction will be removed. Um, it, it is only on crown land, only by law, only on crown land, where the government has any obligation to consider alternatives if the structure is occupied. Mm -hmm. Private landowners have no such um, uh, obligations mm -hmm. and can go to court for the orders that they need to clear their lands. So the objective of the um, informal settlement unit is to manage and contain the proliferation of informal settlements. Containment means the removal of unplanned structures, especially where they are unoccupied, and that will be done. Um, um, uh, the Cronland unit will abide by the law in situations where um, structures are occupied, yeah. uh, particularly where um, uh, children, the elderly, the mentally or physically challenged are involved. Mm -hmm. The other thing about um, Dockyard is this, that, okay, it's private land, but many, I understand, many of the people, and I, I will get to the bottom of this as time goes on, mm -hmm. have spent good money for the 20 foot by 20 foot parcel of land that mm -hmm. they purchased from mm -hmm. somebody. Mm -hmm. Can you imagine that? Mm -hmm. um, I think that's what Mr. Glasgow was intimating. Yeah. Guys were selling these yeah. things without proper title yeah. or uh, subdivision rights. Absolutely. And yeah. They you weren't know, even cannot, the correct owners, you, but they sold it to someone. Yeah. And you, and you can, so someone, someone uh, has made substantial profits yeah. at the expense of hardworking people. Mm -hmm. That is not right. And so, where those situations are encountered, you can expect that there will be prosecutions. Mm -hmm. That seems to be the name of the game with a lot of things around here, even illegal yeah. migration. Yeah. I wanted to ask Mr. Glasgow, when you, when you visit these informal settlements, how many, if any, are built to code and have the infrastructural requirements that the planning department um, has stipulated. That's a good question. If you were to go into Dockyard, there are some beautiful structures in Dockyard. I must say so myself. There's some beautifully built to code that will stand up to any regulations that we would have, and they can be found there and in other settlements. But it is not the majority. That would be the very few minority, and in those cases, that is more than likely the situation where someone went out and unknowledgeably yeah. thought that they were purchasing a piece mm -hmm. of land and then they did their due diligence to try and construct something. And that's why they can get planning permission yeah. and stuff because if technically, title, gotcha. Yes. gotcha. But the, the, the case is most unlikely not. Mm -hmm.
very, very much likely not. So that would mean a lot of people are living in conditions, not only from a health, but from structural aspects. Yes, substandard, very. And unsafe. Yes, very. Unsafe, particularly in the age of super hurricanes. Yes, yes. And just as you mentioned earlier that you didn't have the required human resources yet, but what about your other resources? Does the unit have a budget? Oh, yes, we do have a budget. Um, the government has allocated funds um, in the region of $2 million uh, for the work of the ISU. Um, and uh, we do have very um, uh, good um, uh, support from what we call stakeholder government agencies, planning, for example. Um, Mr. Glasgow is here with me today, um, planning. The Attorney General's Chambers, mm -hmm. um, the Crown Land Unit, um, the Social Welfare Department, who we would engage if there was a clearance um, exercise to be conducted. Um, the police, uh, always um, ready to support the efforts uh, of the unit. So uh, uh, across a wide range of government, we have the um, uh, support of um, stakeholder agencies. And before we came on air this morning, we were having a sidebar, and you mentioned um, the national security. What's your relationship with them? The National Security Secretariat yeah. um, is the um, organization that supports the National Security Council. The National Security Council um, is chaired jointly by the governor and the premier mm -hmm. of the day. And uh, its, its job as National Security Council is to consider and uh, deal with national security threats mm -hmm. to the TCI. Obviously, um, hurricanes is one of those threats. Um, the possibility of pandemics uh, is one of those threats. You will recall that um, during the recent um, um, pandemic, um, we were one of the first um, overseas territories to be able to distribute vaccines. That was all organized from the National Security Secretariat. Mm -hmm. um, and so the um, we report to the National Security Council, okay. and we are supervised by the National Security Secretariat. Um, um, Mr. Tito Leibun is the permanent secretary there. Mm -hmm. And his deputy is Dr. Virginia uh, Claveau. Um, and we have excellent uh, support uh, from that office. Mm -hmm. I was curious, so back to the, the illegal sale of, of land, what does the ISU have teeth in terms of um, enforcing or punishing persons that subdivided or sold land illegally? That, um, the ISU will, to, to answer your question, it, it, it's no. The, the ISU is not a prosecuting agency. Mm. The prosecuting agency is the um, Office of the Director of Public Prosecutions. Mm. Uh, what the ISU will be able to 
to do in those situations would be to assemble the evidence uh, presented to via the Attorney General's chambers, mm -hmm. presented to the um, office of the DPP, mm -hmm. um, and they will institute um, prosecutions mm -hmm. if they feel that the case is strong enough. Um, but two things. One, persons ought not to take false comfort um, from you know, any difficulty in obtaining evidence. And two, um, the focus of the ISU will not be looking back, it will be looking forward. Mm -hmm. We will, we are about the business of correcting mistakes, mm -hmm. not punishing. Mm -hmm. um, mm. Except in egregious situations, <laughs> uh, but particularly not punishing persons who themselves may have been uh, hoodwinked. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Just as um, has the TCIISU um, learned any lessons or adopted any best practices from the region or other countries? Well, that's a good question. <laughs> <laughs> the answer is no. <laughs> Because the TCI is the only British really? overseas territory that has this problem. So we're leading the way. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And so they're learning from us, mm -hmm. right? Um, the Bahamas, of course, has, yeah. uh, has their problems. Mm -hmm. But it is not a British overseas territory. It's an independent country. Mm -hmm. uh, and how they deal with it is, I mean, we keep abreast of their efforts uh, particularly in Abaco, for example. Mm. Um, and there is some case law uh, that might be relevant to our situation. But the in the um, overseas territories family, the TCI is the only uh, one that's, um, that has an informal settlement program. Um, it kind of makes sense. I think the geographical proximity and you know the kind of countries that you're near to it would make sense that we're the only mm. overseas territory. Mm. But have we learned anything from? Um, you said there's case law, recent case law that would assist us, I guess, from the Bahamas in in our efforts. Have we learned anything? Well, those court, those cases have not moved completely through the Bahamian courts as yet. Okay. Um, but and and I don't know the extent to which their statute law might mm. differ from from ours, um, and also their human rights uh, laws. Because I I would imagine that um, one of the principal grounds upon which um, you know a person might complain might be the human. violation of human rights. Mm -hmm. um, so we're keeping an eye. Uh, on those developments, um, but we, I think, would be would be wrong to let it dictate the way we address TCI problems. Mm -hmm. What are your your vision and goals for the ISU, both short term and long term? Well, the ISU is limited in time. Mm -hmm. uh, we have three years oh. to. <laughs> to accomplish all the... <laughs> not at all. 
took 30 years to That's construct. It took three years to, to, <laughs> to, to accomplish all that I have laid out. Oh and uh, uh, one year is just about gone. Uh, so we have two more years. Um, the long term, the goal is to eradicate, eliminate unplanned settlements mm -hmm. in the TCI. I look forward to the day when Dockyard is a planned community with, you know, sidewalks mm -hmm. and vegetation, uh, street lights, mm -hmm. um, uh, you know, schools, um, and it, it it's built, I think, in an area called Pasture Wells. So I look forward to seeing uh, an entry gate saying Pasture Wells Community, mm. you know, mm -hmm. and let's get rid of the denigrating duckyard mm -hmm. uh, name, you know, mm -hmm. that's the kind of thing. With, with, um, and a lot of the people in there are hardworking people. They, they work at the hotels, mm -hmm. you know, they clean the rooms, mm -hmm. they cook the food, mm -hmm. they serve the tables. Mm -hmm. um, they are performing vital functions mm -hmm. to the economy, for the economy uh, uh, of the TCI. Yeah. But we cannot continue, I think, to uh, promote ourselves as um, a five-star destination mm -hmm. when the people who work in the five-star industry live in those conditions. Yeah. Let's help them to, to get out uh, uh, of that. We also have a national motto, beautiful by, by nature. nature. Yes, we do. And uh, the existence of these types of settlements undercuts that uh, motto. Mm -hmm. Very much, she's absolutely right. Yeah. I, I wanted to ask Mr. Glasgow, though, because I'm curious. I've seen a couple of videos of um, informal settlements um, in places I didn't even know existed, They're deep down <laughs> in the shrubs. Mm -hmm. How do you identify those? Well, thanks to technology that is currently available, be it drone or even a helicopter flyover that has been done of the islands as of recently, we can identify these pocket areas. Imagery via mm -hmm. flying at nighttime, you will see lights in areas. Be like, okay, there's no roads there. <laughs> Why is there lights there? And even from the community itself, you would tend to hear people come in and say, I'm hearing like, I think Mr. Jolly said, you I'm hearing hammers at night. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah. you know, yes. in these different methods, we're able to identify these areas. Yeah. As we wrap up, um, what would you like us as Turks and Caicos Islanders, as a society, as a country, to do to help you? Snitch. <laughs> <laughs> Without snitching. <laughs> Not using that word. Mm -hmm. Justice said it's okay to let you know, but he doesn't like the word snitch. So I'm going to forget about Chicago. <laughs> the slogan is see something, say something. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. No, but I How think we if help? we, if you take an intrinsic look on your life as a Turks Islander or as a resident of the Turks and Caicos Islands, and you want to see the place that you live, work, play, sleep, worship, become a better place, you have to 
become your brother's keeper in a terms and a sense of I am not only looking out for just myself. So we have to go contrary to Miss Johnson's song. Mm-hmm. It's not time for me to look out for me. It's mm-hmm. time for us to look out for all of us. Mm-hmm. So I love this song, but in this instance, <laughs> one instance, it, it is time for us to you know take a, a concerted effort in engaging and making our country a better place not looking and pointing blame on anyone to say okay you're not doing this you're not doing that let us come together as a community a small island and help to make our our country a better nation and just as simon's the final words are yours what's your message to turks and caicos well i would say this um that we have a unique opportunity in turks and caicos to create um uh, a beautiful, um, happy uh, um, country consisting of safe, sustainable communities. Um, we, the one of the threats to achieving that is informal settlements. We haven't um, squandered that opportunity as yet. Let's not squander it. So we, I would urge the listening public um, to assist in whatever way they can um, the work of the ISU. Obviously, the um, um, halting of unplanned structures is one way, a tangible way of assisting. Mm -hmm. Um, Another way of assisting would be um, to persuade other persons that you know might be contemplating uh, unplanned construction and say, no, that that is not the way. Abide by the law is the way to avoid trouble. Um, and uh, so I, I look forward, and I appreciate the support that the unit has so far received, uh, broad public support. Um, it is and was intended to be apolitical. And it has the full backing and support of the government and the opposition. Um, And we're very grateful for that. It makes our work that much easier. So um, I would say generally to Turks and Caicos Islanders, the ISU uh, is a means to securing the TCI as an example for uh, uh, small countries in the region. And let's do it. We'd like to express our profound thanks to Justice Carlos Simons, the strategic lead of the Informal Settlements Unit here in Turks and Caicos, and Mr. Leonardo Glasgow from the Planning Department for joining us this morning. This has been First Edition. I'm Cheryl Ann Foreman. And I'm Javago Jolly. RTC 89.1